Hi there, and welcome back. This is Robert Fleming, one of the partners at the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming & Curdy PLC. One of the other partners at that firm is Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, and the two of us are going to talk to you about elder law issues yet again. We hope you enjoy these, uh, these discussions, and we hope that occasionally you have questions that you might send to us. We, we love to hear from people. Today, Elizabeth, I wanted to talk about what to do with your original documents. So you just left Fleming and Curdy. You did your will. Maybe you did a trust. You have new powers of attorney. Let's just say you're a married couple, so you've got a big, thick binder full of paper. Despite the fact that at Fleming and Curdy, we try to be succinct. We are lawyers, and so there's more paper than you think you were going to get when you when you showed up. Uh, where do you take those documents? What do you tell people to do with that binder, with all those original documents? It's a great question, Robert, and I think that it it's really about, for most people, peace of mind. We know some people have very specific locations in their home, a bookshelf, a safe, um, might be under a certain desk drawer that they want to put their, their estate planning originals. We try and avoid keeping originals at the office for a variety of reasons. One of the reasons is is because they're your documents and we want you to be able to have the originals so that you can share them with your family when the time comes or if the time comes and when you die that they're easily accessible. And so speaking of easily accessible, the, the options that I try and discourage people with, although it brings many people peace of mind to think about their fireproof safe and protecting their wills. Um, locking them up is really not that optimal because when somebody is trying to open a probate or somebody is trying to get you into an emergency room, actually having to find the safe code to open your fireproof safe to then find your estate planning binder is problematic. It's also problematic if you put those documents in your safety deposit box because, you know, people don't have ready access to safety deposit boxes all the time. So I talk to folks and, and oftentimes I try and discourage them from locking their originals up. Now, many people want to have electronic copy, copies, digital files of their estate planning documents, and we certainly can help provide those. The digital files, I think, are helpful to have saved somewhere that's pretty easily accessible, particularly if you're not at your home computer. So that's something I think to think about um, just taking them with you. But we wouldn't want people taking their originals with them either, Robert. So I think you're trying to kind of strike a happy balance for the safest place to put them. My standard suggestion to people is put them in the top left desk drawer in your study at home or on the bookshelf above the 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 uh, desk in your study at home because that's the first place people are going to look for your documents and you would like to find them quickly. The safe deposit box, that's a terrible idea in my view. And, uh, and, and I think it's worth debunking a common myth. A lot of people think, oh, you don't want them in the safe deposit box because on a death you have to go get clearance from the state to get into the safe deposit box. And that's not true. Hasn't been true for 20 or 30 years. But you do have to wait till the bank is open at 10 o'clock on Monday. And so if you're in an auto accident Saturday night at 9, nobody can get to your healthcare power of attorney for the next 36 hours. And then they have to leave the hospital to go to the bank and persuade the, the bank to let them in and find the key and go through all of that noise. Way better to have your healthcare power of attorney at home. Same for your will. Same for your financial power of attorney. Same for the trust. 
Next time you want somebody to see your trust for some reason, the brokerage house wants a copy, you want to show somebody, you want to look at it and think about, uh, about making some changes, it would be really nice if it was right there in your study. And Robert, I do tell people frequently who may keep their originals in their study, please remember not to mark them up. Because sometimes when folks have them and they're getting ready to come and see us, they'll start marking up their originals in their binder. So we, on occasion, have people who say, can you have you know a couple of extra copies for me to share with my family or for me to keep on hand? And we can always make more copies. But yeah, even if you've got ready access, that doesn't necessarily mean that we want you to take them out and start marking them up. I think that's an important thing for people to remember. Elizabeth, you mentioned the digital copies, and of course, that's ordinarily what we have. We have not kept the original documents. We haven't kept a paper copy. We've just scanned them and put them in our computer files. And so if you want digital copies, it's usually a pretty straightforward matter for us to get them to you. And that's a, a, for the same reason that we like having them that way, you might like having them that way as well. So uh, digital copies are great. And they're also good for um, annotating and and, uh, making suggested changes. That way you're not marking up the original documents. So I think, Robert, when we talk about original documents, sometimes people ask me whether or not they should be keeping copies of their tax returns and their recent bank statements and everything together with their estate plans. And what I tell people is, is you want to have the important stuff close together, but I don't necessarily recommend that people keep, you know, 20 years of tax returns right alongside their estate planning binder. I mean, you you want to be able to find your estate planning documents, those originals, very quickly. You want them to stand out against other documents you may have saved. So sometimes people will will do kind of an annual review. They might have a year-end bank statement. They might have their last year or two of tax returns. Maybe they'll also have something like on occasion, we see people create summaries of their own estates. You know, they might say, well, this is where you can look to find the veterinarian's phone number, and this is where my great aunt Martha's ring is, and you know, all that kind of important stuff. So I like the idea of having that located together, but that does not mean that we want you to all of a sudden start cluttering your, your bookshelf with what you think are important. That, that's harder to sort through. Far, most people keep far much more paper than they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I know I'm guilty of that as well. So often when clients come in to see us to update their estate planning documents, they bring in their current documents and they might have a binder that has their originals plus some copies that they've stuffed into the pockets plus some drafts that they still have in the envelope that we sent them. Maybe there are two rounds of drafts. I love when clients bring in that pile of paper because I can make a little pile in the corner and say, do I have your permission to slip these in our recycling bin and and, uh, we will get them shredded and and disposed of so that you don't have quite so much paper sitting around anymore. I think that that can make a huge difference, Robert, really sorting through the paper so you only have the most relevant relevant things there um, that are kind of standing out. I guess the only other thing that I would say to people about original documents is that this day and age, the original document that we see most often comes in handy is the will, is the original of somebody's will. The reason being because if there is a probate that needs to be initiated, having the original will will help speed up that process from a timing standpoint. I totally agree. 
And I would say the second, but distant second most important document to have an original of is your financial power of attorney. And that's because so often banks get really prickly about copies of documents. They will want to see sometimes that there was an original. Do not let them keep the original. Do not drop it off and say, copy it and I'll pick it up later. Stand there and watch them copy it and, and take it back because you may never see the original again. But, uh, but that's the one document that you may need. Oddly, in our experience, banks don't seem to want original copies of trusts very often. They'll want a photocopy of them, but they'll be pretty willing to take digital copies or printouts from digital copies. And they often only want the first and last pages. Why do they want the first and last pages? The first one has the title of the trust, the last one has the signatures, and that way they know the trust's real name and that it was actually executed and they're done. So often they do not need to see originals. Your healthcare power of attorney, I will be really surprised if anyone ever asks for the original healthcare power of attorney. It's almost disturbing how often you can get away with just photocopies. And so I think for anybody listening today, if you're madly looking for your originals and pulling out all of your hair and, and stress that you might have misplaced them, it's okay. Um, we have had this happen with, with folks before. When it's happened, we, we encourage people to just slow down, think carefully about where you've been keeping your documents through the years. We, of course, will review our files and make sure that they're not here. But, you know, we recently, Robert actually had a call from a client, and we made her a new estate planning binder with copies. And, and we decided that we'll revisit the idea of whether she needs to do any updates next year in which case we could be creating new original documents. But for the time being, it satisfied her to have everything put together again and, and use copies. So what's the, what's the end result of this discussion? What do you do with the original binder with your uh, estate planning documents? Take it home, put it in a safe but obvious place. Oh, wait, one more thing. Tell the people who are named in the document where to find it. That doesn't mean you have to give them a copy doesn't mean you have to pull it down and show it to them, but if your daughter is the first healthcare agent and the successor trustee, tell her if you ever need this, sweetie, it's on the bookshelf above the desk in my study or wherever you keep it. And with that, I think we've said enough about uh, original documents. You can all go close your safe deposit boxes. You know, I, I have to tell the story about uh, a few years ago, um, we took over the affairs of a gentleman who had lived in in the middle of Michigan, oh, sorry, no, Wisconsin, not that it makes very much difference for the story. I had to actually go fly to Wisconsin and open his safe deposit box because there was no way I could get this small town bank to do it remotely. And you know what we found? An old broken pocket watch, an expired, decades expired life insurance policy, and a couple of scribbled notes to himself. Close your safe deposit box, people. Your heirs will be happy that you did. You've been listening to Robert Fleming and Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We are two of the partners at the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC, and we hope you'll join us again for our next episode of Elder Law Issues. Thanks.